Before I just share what I, what I feel God's put on my heart, I'd love to just pray. Is that all right? Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. And I pray in Jesus' name that it will be your voice, Lord. And Father, everything that we do and everything that we say is about lifting up the name of Jesus. It's all about lifting up the name of Jesus and it's all about your glory, Lord. And I just pray today that you would speak to us. But Father, not just speak to us, that you would change us, that you would transform us, that you would challenge us. In the name of Jesus and everybody said... Amen. Uh, so before I kind of like just, I want to start with this. So before I kind of lead into what I want to talk about, uh, I, I can't remember when it was, probably when Ezra was about to have a son uh, called Ezra. Nora, Nora is my daughter. She's three. She's right there at the feet of Simon. Um, but she's doing good. She's quiet. So um, when, when Ezra was, I think, about two years old, if you haven't seen Ezra, he's got like this like curly hair. And, uh, and I thought, it would be a great idea to give Ezra a haircut when Simone wasn't at home. And so, because I thought, I thought it would, like in my head, this is great. His hair's getting a little bit long. It's sort of in his face. And so what I did was while Simone was out, I, it was in the evening at about six o'clock. I put Ezra down. He's like two. And, and I was like holding him with my legs like a sheep <laughs> so that he, so he couldn't move. And I grabbed the clippers and, and I shaved his head like mine. And I thought this was great. I thought this was going to be an amazing thing. In my head, I'm like, I am blessing my wife. In my head, I am blessing my son. This, this is a great thing. So I did that and uh, I, I actually even saved some of his hair in a Ziploc bag. And so I thought, this is going to be great. She's going to walk in. She's going to be pumped. She's going to be like, oh, well done. He needed a haircut. I see that. And I opened the door so she comes home about an hour and a bit later. And I cleaned everything up, so at least I had that right. Hour and a bit later, and she opens the door. And, and I'm like, you know, got a big grin on my face. You're going to like what I've done. And I bring her to the boy. And, and his head is, you know, obviously it's shaved. And I did a pretty good job, like mine. And so... Um, she starts crying. She like bursts out. She starts crying. And then I'm like, oh, you know, is she feeling emotional? Is this good crying? Is this bad crying? And so I went to go get the Ziploc bag. And I'm like, look, I've got his first haircut. And she was really upset. And uh, how many people know that sometimes you can be in situations where you think you're helping and you think it's a blessing? What about when, what about when you're at work? I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I've been in this situation where you, you, you have a meeting with your line manager and you think this is going to be good because I've been crushing it. You know, I've been working hard. I've been doing my thing. And then you go there and they sort of tell you, hey, you're missing the mark. And you're kind of confused. Have you ever been in that situation? And, and you really weren't clear about what your role was. I want to encourage you that it can be like that when it comes to the, our walk with God. When it comes to us being disciples of Jesus, sometimes we can work so hard. Even when it comes to making disciples, we can exert so much energy and we can do everything and be tired and exhausted. And actually, when it comes to us facing the Lord at the end of our lives, we can actually be in a position where God is like, hey, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And so it's important that if we are going to be a church that raises disciples, if we're going to be a church that is focused on making disciples, then we need to first have a clear picture of what a disciple is, according to the New Testament. 
And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I've got a few things. I've got to kind of get through my slides uh, quite quickly. But uh, what I want us to do is to have in our hearts and in our minds a clear picture of what a disciple of Jesus actually looks like. So that when we have that clear picture in mind, we have a, a, a standard or a vision that we are chasing, right? We have a target to aim at. We have a standard. And so I want to just share a few thoughts from, uh, from the Word of God. What does a New Testament disciple look like? And I've spent hours uh, studying this, and I'm not going to be able to share everything that I found but we're just going to do a brief overview of a few characteristics. And actually for our church, this is kind of like uh, our foundation. When it comes to disciple making, this is the picture at Courageous Church uh, of what a disciple actually is. This is what we mean by a disciple. And so it's going to come up. The first one is a disciple uh, of Jesus looks like somebody who sacrificially follows him. And this is what it says in the Bible, in the, in the book of Luke, I think it's chapter 9, verse 23, it says this, Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. If we just leave this passage up there. What does it mean to sacrificially follow Jesus? All right, so we're just talking characteristics of a, of a disciple. Is that okay? Everyone tracking okay? So this first one is that a disciple of Jesus sacrificially follows him. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Denying ourselves is not just about, hey, I'm not going to take that piece of chocolate. Uh, denying ourselves is not just about, hey, I'm not going to fulfill that desire. Design, denying ourselves is actually about us denying the sources that we draw our identity from. That we need to construct our identity of who we are around what Jesus says, around what the Word of God says. And so we can have sometimes, we can have as part of our identity our relationships. We can have as part of our identity the things that we do. Come on, our gifts and our talents, our status, our position in the world. But actually denying yourself looks like uh, moving aside from all of those things and causing the Word of God and, and who God says you are to be the source of your identity. Uh, so deny yourself. This is what it means to sacrificially follow Him. Take up your cross. Uh, you know, sometimes when we think about Jesus going to the cross, uh, we can think that Jesus wanted to, to, to suffer. Let me tell you this, that Jesus did not want to suffer. In fact, you see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that he was so stressed out that he so wanted his father uh, to change the plan. He so didn't want to go to the cross that he was sweating blood. And so Jesus is not in love in some warped way with suffering, and he doesn't actually want that for you. Do you know that? That Jesus' plan for you is not suffering, but what does it mean to take up your cross? It means to live in such a way that you are dead to the world and to the ways of the world and to the, the patterns of the world, to live in such a way that you are dead to the world. But also, when Jesus took up his cross, what, he's, what the Bible is saying here is that Jesus was so committed and he was so determined to the purposes of God that even when he faced such intense persecution, so as to hang on a cross, right, and be beaten beyond human recognition, he was undeterred from the purposes that God had for his life. And so to take up your cross actually means to live in such a way where the purposes of God are so 
in, in your sights and you are so committed to fulfilling what God has placed on your life that even if you face opposition, even if your life was in danger, even if you face such intense oppression, you would not be deterred, but you would set your eyes and your face like a flint like Jesus to, to complete and to fulfill what God has called you to do. This is what it means to sacrificially follow Him. And listen, it says, take up your cross daily. How many people know that there are no one-offs when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus? It don't just happen in one moment and one encounter with one prayer. No, we've got to do this daily. And so what do you need? If you're going to live sacrificially for God, you need to have some persistence, somebody, in Jesus' name. And, and, and take up your cross daily and follow me. So that's number one. A disciple of Jesus sacrificially follows him. The next one is going to come up on the screen. Values God above all else. And we'll go to the scripture. Philippians 3 verse 8. What is more? This is the words of Paul. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul was somebody who was persecuting the church. Paul was a Pharisee. Paul had status. Paul was a Roman citizen. And so he had power. He had authority. He had status. He was a learned man. And so he had uh, also that uh, uh, a big amount of influence. But on the way, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, that on the way to a place called Damascus, Paul has an encounter with Jesus. And let me tell you this, that it wasn't just that encounter. It was that encounter that started his ongoing intimate relationship with him. And this is what the Bible Bible is saying is, is saying that Paul's saying that because of that relationship, he's viewed everything else in his life as garbage. You know, sometimes when we give up things to follow Jesus, we, we can think that we're doing God a favor. But that, I, I want to encourage us, if we're in that sort of space, in that sort of mindset, come on, there's no condemnation. We're all here. We're growing. Even I have sometimes when it's like that, I think I'm doing something great for God. But the reality is, if we truly have a, a knowledge of who He is, and if we have that intimate relationship with Him, we'll view everything else as garbage. And so I want to encourage us, a true disciple of, of Jesus values God above everything, and it's not hard work. Come on, it comes out of that place of love for God in the name of Jesus. The next one is going to come up on the screen, genuinely cares for others. A disciple of Jesus genuinely cares for others. And he, the scriptures in John 13, verse 34 and 35, this is what Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is saying a new commandment. That's not to say that all the rest, he's just like, yeah, don't worry about the rest. That's not what he means by that. Uh, and he's not saying only do this. This is part of the picture, but he wants his disciples, all of us as his disciples, to focus on loving one another. Uh, you also need to understand that Jesus is here not talking about loving your neighbor, people that don't know Christ. He's actually talking about within the church. He's talking about other disciples. And how many people know that sometimes within the church there can be division? But do you know what that division does? It ruins our witness. 
because the world outside is looking, are they different to us? And the way that we love one another will actually tell whether or not we are disciples of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, it says that the way that I have loved you, so not according to our standards. It says, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love his disciples? Jesus spent time with his disciples. Jesus served his disciples. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus forgave his disciples. Jesus extended grace to his disciples. Jesus supported his disciples. Now, let me say this, that when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, how many people know that he didn't allow his disciples to also then wash his feet? He said, if you want to reciprocate what I've just done, you need to do it for each other. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to have this uh, kind of statement in your heart and live in a way where you're like, I have love for God, the only way that, because we can't forgive God back. You can't give grace to God back. You actually can't bless God back. He gave you everything. The very next breath you're about to take came from Him. But what you can do, is you can do it for somebody else within the church. Come on. Where we actually say that we are family, but we're going to live like that. By the love you have one for another, that's how people are going to know that you are my disciples. And I want to tell you that when we can put aside our differences, when we can wash each other's feet, when we can have grace for each other, when we can truly be one body and move in one, I want to tell you the world will take notice. People around will say there's something different about this group of people. What is it? And they will realize that we are disciples of Jesus. Come on. By the love that we have one for another. And I just want to say this one more thing around loving each other. How many people know that you cannot love somebody if you're not present? Presence is a prerequisite for love. You can't love somebody through Zoom. You can't love somebody through online church. Do not neglect gathering in Hebrews chapter 10, as some has got in the habit of doing. You have to be present if you're going to love. Let me tell you, the, the greatest thing that Jesus did for his disciples when he said, come follow me, was spend time with them. And so we cannot get in the habit or get used to kind of like skipping. To, you have to be present to show love for somebody. In Jesus' name. Next one. A disciple of Jesus understands the power and authority of the Word of God. The power and authority of the Word of God. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed in Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Holding to the teaching of God. we got to understand that the Bible is the source of all our theology. The Bible needs to be what directs our lives. The Bible needs to be how we make our decisions. The Bible and what it says in the Word of God needs to be how we treat, how we speak each other to each other, how we uh, operate at work, how we uh, forgive people. It's got to be the absolute source. The Bible says this, that if you hold to the teaching of Jesus, you will know the truth. And let me say this, that in this day and age, you need some truth. And what's truth? Truth is the reality at the basis of an appearance. So there's all these things that, you know, are coming up. What's right? What's wrong? Who's there? Who, what, you know, but the reality is when you have the Word of God, you have the truth. And it's the truth that will set you free. Free from what? Free from dying in your sin. 
And that's reality. That's Bible. Free from dying in your sin. It will set us free from just kind of being deceived in our lives and being one of those in Matthew 25 who says, Lord, Lord, and he says to you, I never knew you. That's what he will set you free from. So a true disciple of Jesus understands the authority and the power of the Word of God. We always, we live by the Word of God. We refer to the Word of God. If you're in a situation and you're wondering, what do I do next? You go to the Word of God. If you're having an argument, well, what does the Word of God say? When opinions and trends and whatever comes up in the world, it says, well, what does the Word of God say? And no matter what, we hold that as our absolute authority. Praise God. Let's go to the next one. Unashamedly shares the gospel with others. That's what a disciple of Jesus, that's a characteristic of a disciple of Jesus, unashamed of the gospel. This is what Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. I want to say this, Paul wasn't just unashamed of the gospel. In fact, Paul was absolutely passionate. He was proud of the gospel, that Jesus has intervened, that God has done this mighty act, that when we separated ourselves and rebelled against him, Jesus came himself to reconcile us to God. He is unashamed of the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. He is unashamed of the hope that is in Jesus. He is unashamed of the salvation that comes when you put your faith in Jesus. He is unashamed of the peace that surpasses understanding that you find in Jesus. He is unashamed of the fact that Jesus is the answer, come on, to the brokenness in in the hearts of man. He is unashamed ashamed of the fact that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. But what happens when we get into different situations, we kind of like, we kind of, you know, we're ashamed of it. We can't be ashamed of it if we're disciples. Disciples are not ashamed of it because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And so I want to encourage us in our work, in our homes, wherever we're at, we, when the opportunity comes. Because how many people know there's a time to speak and a time to be quiet? There's a time to speak, use words. There's a time just to love people. There's a time to listen and there's a time to bring a word. But when that time comes for you to share and you're praying and you're living with an expectation, God, show me. I need a moment to share with somebody about you. I want to encourage you. You've got to be ready to give a reason for your hope. And be unashamed about it. Don't be apologetic about the faith that you have in Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Next one. A disciple of Jesus is prayerful. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, prayer is, uh, is the antidote to worry. And I just want to say this, that 
this is the promise Jesus has given us. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise. He, he is true to his word. He will never leave us or forsake us. And so as believers in him and as disciples, we need to live with an awareness that God is with us, that God is present. And when you understand that, you can engage with him and he can move on your behalf. He can intervene in your situation. Why? Because that's what he does. And I want to tell you that that is the difference between us who know Him and those who don't know Him. We have access to the power of God and our, the bridge, right, is, is our faith through prayer. And there's some situations, listen, it doesn't say pray for every situation. It says pray in every situation. Because our faith isn't circumstantial. And, and we don't need perfect conditions for God to move. It's, it's not, I just need to be in my prayer closet and, and when I'm around all the other, and, and that's when I pray. No, it's in every situation. And let me tell you, when you put yourself in situations where all you can do is pray, it's amazing how God starts to move. You know, I'm a chaplain and I, I, I'm a full-time chaplain. I work in a public school. And uh, I just want to just quickly just share this testimony with you. I talk about the power of prayer. I was catching up uh, probably about, yeah, not, not this week. But last week, Friday, uh, with, with a young person who was, uh, she wanted to tell me something, um, but she couldn't get to the words, right? And, and it was kind of like one of those who spent some time, and talked, talked around stuff, but I just felt in my heart, I just sensed in my spirit, there was something she wanted to say, she didn't say it. Uh, and so went back to class and then that's it. Um, and over the weekend, I just had this uh, prompting from the Holy Spirit, just pray. And, and so I just started to pray. And this is what I do for all these students, just pray. Because literally in this circumstance that I'm in, I can't explicitly talk about Jesus. And so then I rely on the thing that I should have been relying on first in the first place. This should be priority. No second when I can't, you know, do my thing. It's actually first. And so I prayed and I was asking God and, and the Holy Spirit showed me this, this young person wants to take their life. And then I prayed for a strategy. How do I bring that? And then this week, I'm going to catch up with them again and uh, ask different questions, different questions. And it was exactly as the Holy Spirit had shown me she was about to take her life. And you know, there's different grades, right? When you have that suicidal ideation, this was right up there. And we got the support and the school psych and the parents involved. And I'm not saying that particular thing saved her life. But I'm telling you right now, it helped. But it's prayer. You've you got to access the power of God. You invite God into the situation. We've got to be prayerful in every situation, regardless of what's going on. It's going your way. It's not going your way. You're sick. You're well. Whatever situation you find yourself in, we need to pray. That's what a disciple of Jesus looks like. They're prayerful. Next one. A disciple of Jesus is obedient to God. Watch this, in, watch this in Luke chapter 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Oh, 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 oh. That one's heavy, Jesus. Far out. That's heavy. <laughs> Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He's saying, he's saying that, you know, Lord is... The, the meaning of that word is supreme authority. And 
And when you would call somebody that, if you call somebody that, then you're, you're giving them your allegiance. You're giving them your commitment. So we can't say, Lord, and not actually follow through with, with the commitment and what it actually means. If he gives us an instruction, we do it. And do you know what? Sometimes when it comes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we can kind of like argue with the Holy Spirit and we can say, well, that's, you know, uh, humility because I'm not thinking so highly of myself and I feel like I can't. Let me tell you, that's disobedience. If the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you do it. As scary as it is, as uncomfortable as it is, we cannot be disobedient because you called him Lord. If the Lord gives you an instruction, if the Lord gives you a command, you do what he says. That's what a disciple of Jesus looks like. is somebody who is obedient to God. And the last one, and it would be awesome if just the keys come up and I'll just pray at the end of this. Uh, a disciple, a, a disciple, actually there's two, there's two left, but yeah, please come still. Please come, Carl. There's two left. Helps others. A true disciple of Jesus helps others. This is what uh, Paul says. Uh, this is what Luke writes. In everything I did, I showed you that by this, actually these are the words of Paul in Acts. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Paul's actually talking about the fact that he also had a job. Do you know that? That Paul actually, a lot of the time, financed his own ministry. So he worked, put himself in a position where he could provide for his own needs and also the needs of others and also planted these churches and also, come on, amazing. This is what he's referring to right here. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many people know who says we must help the weak? There's different kinds of weakness. There's different types of weakness. Financial weakness. There's mental health. Weakness in your mental health. Weakness in your emotions. Weakness in your body. Weakness in, in your understanding of different things. There's different kinds of weaknesses. But we've got to be those people that are asking God, show me the weakness in the people that are around me so that I can help them. Having that attitude where we actually are looking for ways to help and eager to help those that are weak in Jesus' name. And I love that it says it's more blessed to give than, than to receive because sometimes we, we, we help, but we have, you know, in our thought life, you know, just an idea of, well, maybe there'll be a reward that comes. But I want to tell you that the blessing is the helping. Because if you're in a position to be able to help, you're blessed. The blessing is the helping. And this is the last one. A disciple of Jesus makes disciples. A disciple of Jesus makes disciples. This is what it says, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I just need to give you a little bit of context for a moment that Jesus was talking to his disciples who had failed him. When Jesus is in the garden, 
he has a few disciples with him and all he wanted them to do was just stay up and pray. And they fell asleep in the hour of his greatest need. Jesus is stressing out to the point where he's sweating blood and his disciples are asleep. They failed him. When Jesus was arrested, they ran away. There was no other disciple at the cross except for um, his mom and Mary and John. Everybody else didn't turn up for Jesus. They failed him. But here Jesus, the Bible says, it says Jesus came to them. He came to them and he, he reconnected. He, he restored that relationship, that connection with him. When Jesus reconnected with them, he wiped away their past. He helped them to focus forward. And this is the words of Jesus. This is kind of his heart. I can still use you. You can still help. You know, I believe that there are people in this room today and you would disqualify yourself because of all these reasons. And the reality is every single one of us has failed him, him in one way or another. But he still comes to us and asks us, will you partner with me to make disciples? Do you know that biblical scholars will say this as well, that this call, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, is not just for the 12. It's for every believer, every person who calls themselves a disciple of Jesus. So what does that mean? That means you are called to make disciples. And I really do believe that when we can understand who Jesus really is and His grace and His love, open our hearts, then He can actually use us to do amazing things. And, and I want to say this, that it's, it's urgent that, that we put our hand up to be used by God to make disciples is urgent because Jesus is coming back and we have to be ready but we got to get our community ready we got to get our community ready for the return of Jesus and so I want to encourage you if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus then you're called to make disciples and at wherever you're at you got to make maybe you got to take steps Right? It doesn't matter what part yet, but it's about taking steps towards being able to do that. In Jesus' name. I just want to pray. If you just bow your head and close your eyes, I would love to just pray uh, just really quickly. And I want to ask you, I won't ask you to, to, uh, to respond or raise your hand or anything like that uh, for this one. But I would love to just pray with you. If you just open your heart, if this is for you, uh, that there are people in this room and you would say, well, God can't use me because, and you've got a list. In Jesus' name, I would love to pray with you. So if you just open your heart right now. And uh, Father, I just thank you for every single person uh, who, who thinks that they can't be used by you. I pray, Lord, that you would remind them of all the failures of your disciples. I pray, God, that you would remind them about the fact that you are gracious and a loving and a merciful God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them to say yes to partnering with you on this amazing mission of restoration that you have called every single one of us to. That Lord God, you are calling people away from their past. You're helping people right now to focus forward in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, let them be blessed. And Father, for all of us, I pray that you would help us to have this picture of what it means to be a disciple in our hearts and in our minds. And by your Holy Spirit, that you would help us to live in that way. In Jesus' name, amen.